You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. So turn to somebody and say, be real. Be real, be real. So that's what we're going to call this series, just be real. So uh, this was John... And, of course, John writes the, the Gospel of John. He also writes the, uh, the book of, of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, which is uh, apocalyptic in certain contexts, obviously. And uh, then he gives us three epistles. And these, uh, some of them focus on some false doctrine and other things, but this first epistle is the largest of the epistles that he gives us, five chapters. The others don't really have chapters to them, just verses. And, uh, and, and the chapters and the divisions came after. John didn't write them with chapters, but later on they came and they put breaks in there for reference so we could refer to a passage and know right where it's at. But in this letter that John writes, or this epistle as we call it, he uh, is addressing a lot of just practical Christianity, just practical stuff. And so uh, I think Be Real is just a simple contemporary title that we could just put on there. Hey, just be real. Just be real. Don't, uh, life is real, and, uh, but God is good, and uh, here's the realities of where we're at. So that's what we're going to call this, be real, and we're going to spend maybe, maybe five weeks going through here. So before we get into this, we're going to go, we're going to walk through verse by verse. I want you just to bow your head right where you're at, and let's ask the Holy Ghost to have his way tonight. God knows right now every need that we have. Would you lift your voice with me, God, in Jesus' name? I thank you that we can come into your presence tonight, that we can feel you, that we can sense you as we worship you. We come to this sacred moment where we open up your word. And God, many of us, we may be asking tonight, God, speak to us. And so here it is. I pray that you'd have your way over these next few weeks, God, as we're going through this passage. In Jesus' name, we pray right now. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Amen. Hallelujah. So Paul said this one time. He said, I pray that the word of God would have free course. That means no hindrance, no hesitation, but free flow, full effect. So I want the word of God to have full effect on my heart tonight. I'm I'm just inviting the Lord to do that into my life. So let's begin here in the first epistle of John. This is John, uh, the apostle, uh, part of the head of the church, he writes this probably at the last. This is part of the, one of the later or last parts of the New Testament written. So John is writing now. And so with this in mind, we can understand that most of the New Testament has already been written, bound together, and passed around from church to church. And John is now adding to this. So he's not writing to people that have no clue. He's writing people that have a clue. And he's still talking to them and he's preaching to them. So this applies to you and me. So if you're saying, hey, I've been in church before. This isn't the first time. I I understand what's going on. This is relevant to to you because John is speaking to, in some cases, folks that have been around a while. Let's put it that way. And he breaks it down. So we'll begin. John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. It says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Uh, 
For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So let's stop right there. We're looking at the first two verses. Um, And he is talking about their witness and their testimony. If anybody has an idea, he references, he said, it's the word of life. And that's the last phrase of verse 1, if you see that there. And the last phrase of verse 2, he said, and was manifested unto us. And so he gives us two phrases there. Does anybody have a clue who he's talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. Thank you, Brother Manuel. He's talking about Jesus. And, of course, John writes the Gospel of John. And he starts out his Gospel talking about uh, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on down, verse 14, it says, and the Word was made flesh. And so here in the epistle, he's writing, and he says, we have, uh, uh, (coughs) excuse me, that which was from the beginning, we have heard, we have seen, we have looked upon or gazed upon, and we have handled of the Word of life. And then he says, that this which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He is talking about the incarnation, the mighty God, the transcendent, omnipresent, eternal God, manifest in flesh, come down and dwelt among us, the hope of all Jews, the hope of all humanity. And he's saying, I've seen him, that which was from the beginning. I've heard him, I've seen him, I've gazed upon him. And I have handled him. And then verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you if I can for the first little bit on experience and testimony. So the first point I'd give you tonight, and sorry, uh, it's, it's been an a interesting week, so I, I don't have my outline ready. But the first point on the outline would be this, and that is experience and testimony. John comes to us with experience, and he comes to us with testimony. Now, he's getting ready to get into the revelation, the word, the message, the truth. But first, he starts out, and he is giving us proof through experience and through testimony, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard. He says, I, I have heard this. This is, he's setting the stage for why you ought to listen to him. I have heard personally. He said, I was there. I, I heard him for myself. I, I not only heard him, I saw him with my eye, physically. I perceived it was not an illusion I beheld, I saw him with my eye. And then he goes on and says, and I looked upon, or I gazed upon. That that literally means that I perceived, I got it, I understood. It wasn't just that I saw something, but I saw it with understanding. I was able to capture what was taking place. And then he says, I handled, I touched him. 
<laughs> I was there. This is not just a story. This is not just something I read about somewhere else, but I was there. I touched him. I, I, I was a part of it. When he sat down and broke the loaves and the fishes and fed the 5,000, John said, I was there. I touched his hand as he distributed it. I put it in the basket as we went out and we passed it around. I'm not just coming and making this up. He's building his case of his experience and his testimony. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest things that you and I have tonight is our experience and our testimony. We don't have to have degrees and we don't have to have all of the articulation of humanity to be able to express everything. But if you have an experience with God, if you have an experience with God, you've got a testimony. You may not be able to stand like some others and, and give some expose as some uh, professors or some preachers. But if you have been with Jesus, you've got a testimony. If you've ever been in need and you called on the name of God, you've got a testimony. If you've ever been down and wondering, God, how am I going to get out? And you prayed a simple prayer of faith and the Lord made a way, you've got a testimony. If you've ever carried guilt into the house of God and you come to an altar and said, God, I need liberty and the Holy Ghost set you free, you've got a testimony. I wonder if there's anybody in here that's thankful tonight, amen, that I've got an experience and I've got a testimony. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's where John starts his ministry. Can I just say that's why it's important that at CTK we don't just become about religion. And we can never just become about religion. We can never just become about organization. We can never just become about some social structure, some system. Amen. We have got to have an experience and a testimony. Everything may not always be right. Everything may not always be perfect. That's okay. Can I tell you? I, I think we ought to, don't get me wrong, I think we ought to do the best of our ability with everything we do. If we get up to sing, uh, uh, we, we don't just give, we, we, we ought not just, you know, yield maybe uh, the mic to somebody that's tone deaf, doesn't know what they're doing. You understand what I'm saying. But uh, if somebody didn't hit the right key, that's okay if they got a testimony. Because there is more with an experience and with a testimony. <laughs> you can sing about it all day long, but when you've been there, when you have felt it, how do, you can talk about the healing power of God, but when you put your robe back aside and you put your clothes back on and you walk out of the hospital room and you come in to declare that God is a healer, amen, you can talk about his delivering power, but when you get up out of that jail cell and you see what the Lord has done for you, it's a whole nother level because you've got an experience and you've got a testimony. Come on, can we just thank the Lord tonight? Come on, the devil is a liar. He is a good God. He is a great God. He is a mighty God. He is a holy God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is what Peter comes. Peter does the same thing in his second epistle. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. Peter's making the case, and he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 16, he said, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were I 
witnesses of his majesty. Peter's saying, look, I didn't read this in the tabloids. I'm not just bringing something else. He said, I was an eyewitness of his majesty. And he's bringing his testimony here. And John says, this is this is what gives me right to speak. This is what gives me right to talk. He said, I may not be accepted among uh, uh, the Jewish uh, uh, aristocrats. I may not be uh, uh, received among uh, the, the, the Jewish uh, Sanhedrin and the hierarchy, but I have a witness. I have a testimony. It doesn't matter, he said, that, that I may not have been born into the right household or, or have the right positions. He said, I have seen the Almighty God manifest in the flesh, come down and dwell among us. I have handled that which all of the world has hoped for. I have been with him. I have seen him and I have gazed upon him. I have perceived him with understanding. This is what John's saying. Look, John had lived through a lot of persecution. This is the end uh, of the first century church. So by this time, they've been They've been cast out of Jerusalem. They've been run out of Jerusalem. By this time, the temple has already been destroyed. Masada's taken place, and, and most all of the Jews uh, that were left in Jerusalem were destroyed at, at, at the stronghold of Masada when they escaped out to the east in the wilderness there. And uh, now Jerusalem is in ruins. It's overrun by Rome. The Jewish diaspora has taken place. People are all over, but they're still holding on to their hierarchy. And John is standing up and saying, look, I have an experience. I have seen. I have witnessed what's going on. And I've come to tell you, he's writing after all this stuff that God is still God. He's still Lord. He's still on the throne. He's still able. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because I beheld this. So our experience, our testimony is the most wonderful thing that you could have. If you have an experience with God, it's a blessed thing. If you don't have an experience with God, you need an experience with God. You need an experience with God. So I'm going to tell you, life will take you through some valleys. Where it doesn't matter how, much, how, how good the, the, the book is. Or, or how polished the preacher is. It's not good enough. You need an experience. You need a testimony. Life will take you through hard things where you've got to know. That's what David said. If you read Psalm 23, I'm always, I'm always uh, uh, captivated or, or uh, encouraged because David starts out Psalm 23, and he starts it out rather beautifully. And, it, and of course, it has this melodic tone. It has all this wonderful... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he's talking and it's so dignified and so sophisticated. And he's telling people, I can see him as he's writing with the audience in mind. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness Amen. And he goes all the way down until he comes to verse 3. And all of a sudden something happens. And all of a sudden he breaks the laws of writing. And that's this. When you're writing something, you don't switch back and forth. You're, you consider your audience. Normally when you write, you're either talking directly to God. And that's, that's a song to God. 
or you're testifying about God and you're telling others about God. But right in the middle of the psalm, he changes direction. And he goes from talking about God to talking to God. And he gets to the valley of the shadow of death. And no longer is he saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord this, the Lord that. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. He doesn't write because God is with me. He says because thou art with me. He had when everything else failed, he still had a relationship. When everything else died, he still had an experience. He still had something that he was holding on to. Can I tell you, religion will fail you, but if you can get an experience and a testimony with God, you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you know he's still holding my hand he's still there he's still lifting me up he's still carrying me through all of this yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff in the rest of the psalm he is talking to God he dispenses with the audience I'm going to tell you that's when church gets good is when we forget about the person sitting next to us and we, we pardon all the other people and say hey I'm glad you're here but this isn't about you I got to talk to the Lord for myself can I tell you that's what we've got to have an experience and a testimony experience and a testimony he goes on in verse 3 that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you he said I'm declaring this unto you I've got a right to speak this because I've been there in the Old Testament law the ones who had bared witness who had seen were the only ones who had a right to testimony they were the only ones that had a right to speak up they were the ones that had the right to stand, to speak. And John is saying, look, I, I may not be a Levite. I may not be what, what you're expecting. He said, but I am a witness. I have been there. I have seen. I have a right to speak. We used to sing a song in Pentecost, and it was horrible English. But it said, I've got a right to praise the Lord. Ain't nobody got a right like the children of the Lord who've seen the light. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and I've got a right. Sometimes you just got to get that in your spirit. It says, I got a right. <laughs> Devil, it don't matter what you say. I got a right to talk about how good God is. I, I've got a right to declare he's holy and he's righteous and he's awesome and he, and he loves me. I've got a right. Amen. I've got a right. They can say whatever they want, but I've been there. I've touched him. I've handled him, and this is what John is saying, we declare unto you. And then he bears the pastor's heart. John bears the pastor's heart. That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying, look, I'm telling you this not that you would think something of me. We've already gone there. We've already established that on my own, I would not be qualified. But, but it's only the experience that gives me. But the reason why I share it is that you may have fellowship with me. And he's not interested in them joining his club. He's interested in them partaking in the blessings that God has put in his life. I'm going to tell you, God's been good to me. God's been good to me. God's blessed me. 
Not, not, not with maybe the monetary things, and I am blessed. I am blessed. Really, what could I have? I could, I could be selfish and I could be nitpicky, but really, what more could I ask of God material-wise? If you got your family, if you got a roof over your head, if you got food on the table, I mean, really, what more? The rest is just uh, garnishing, but, but what more could you ask? But I'm talking about the blessings of peace and the blessings of joy and the blessings, amen, of righteousness that comes in, of purity, the, the freedom from guilt and, and the release of the burdens of shame. I'm blessed in my life and I can see John as he's saying, I want you to be able to partake in the things that I partake in. And he uses this word fellowship. That you could have fellowship with us. And then he qualifies it and says, because our fellowship is with the Father. Our fellowship is with the Father. The one who spoke the world into existence. He, he calls him not the Almighty. He calls him the Father from whom all things come from. The source of all life. Our fellowship is with the Father. The Father whom Jesus said no man hath seen at any time. That's who our fellowship is with. The one that is above time and space beyond. He transcends everything. The one whom I can't wrap my mind around. That's the one whom I enjoy fellowship with and I do so not just in some mysterious way but I do so by fellowshipping with his son the offspring of God the birth of, of, of God the manifestation of God in flesh Jesus Christ I, I do this because I've had fellowship with him and he says my desire is that you also would have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, he was making an absolute. He was making an exclusion. He was letting us know, just as Christ did, when Christ said, no man hath seen God at any time. But then later on, he would say, I who speak to you am he. He would say things like, I and my Father are one and the same. I am the one that you've seen. You can't see the unknowable God, but the unknowable God can make himself knowable. And that's what you can see. And the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him. There is nothing hidden of God. God didn't hold back anything. He said, I'm going to show you all of my love and all of my mercy and all of my grace is going to be expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get to God, you've got to come through me. You can't sideline Jesus. You can't go around Jesus. That's why the attack upon Jesus in, in our age and every age before and the ages to come is, is nothing more than antichrist. The Bible talks about antichrist, that there would be a spirit of antichrist. Why do you think hell is coming against the antichrist? It's not, it's not the anti-almighty uh, God because Satan knows he can't fight him but Satan is against hell is against the anointed one against the revelation of God in the flesh he does everything he can to fight against the Christ did you have you been paying attention to what the Pope's been doing lately how the Pope has been laying down years and years and I, I, I wouldn't even pretend to begin to 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 uh, um, to validate traditional uh, uh, doctrines of the Vatican because obviously history has showed us a lot of things.
But these aren't, these aren't just little things that are taking place that's going on. The Pope is, is laying aside traditional things that have been exclusive that said Jesus Christ is the only way. And they are seeking to include all religions. Now, I, I don't know the Pope. He may be a nice person. I don't know him from an individual. I, don't, I can't say anything about him, but what I can say is that the Bible says in the last days, and John is going to talk about it in chapter 2 and later on. He's going to talk about it in his second epistle and his third epistle. He's going to talk hard and heavy about false prophets, about false teachers, about false ideologies. He's going to talk about Antichrist, and the reason why he's talking about it with such passion is because because he doesn't want anything that is going to destroy what he has. He's trying to say, look, I want you to have fellowship with God. I want you to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know the glory and the goodness and the blessings of the Lord. And everything that comes down to separate between you and God is a destroyer. It's a liar. It's a hindrance. And, and, and there is a spirit of our age and there's a spirit of the world that the Bible talks about. It's been going on for thousands of years that is fighting against the message of truth. And this is why John picks up the pen at the end of his life. After everything has been written, he's writing one more time to seasoned saints. He's writing one more time to people that have been in the church, people that are questioning, people that are wondering. And he's saying, look, you have got to hold on. I want you to have fellowship. He said, you may be thinking some other things, but you've got to have fellowship. And if you want fellowship with God, you've got to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. You cannot reject Christ. You cannot reject the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He writes this in his gospel. Look at what he says. He goes on in verse 4. He's bearing the pastor's heart. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. He's saying this. Look, you're heading in the right path. You're walking in the right direction. You're almost there. But I want to see that you make it there. I don't want to see you stop short. I don't want to see you heading on the right path, but you didn't sell out all the way or you didn't get there all the way and you left yourself without the fullness of the promise and the blessings of God. And so he said, I'm writing just to be that good arm of encouragement that comes along that sort of helps you up, helps you on through the way, helps you on. That's just an arm, a steadying arm to come on saying, hey, you can make it. Keep on keeping on. Here, I'm here to tell you tonight, on this Wednesday night, I come to encourage you, don't quit now. Don't give up now. My desire for you is that your joy would be full. And when you go home tonight and you lay your head on the pillow, you may not know what tomorrow holds and you may not even know how you're going to get through the troubles that lay before you tomorrow. But you can lay your head on the pillow knowing that I know in whom I have believed and that God is going to take care of my life and my heart and of my soul. Fellowship, that word fellowship I won't begin to try to pronounce the Greek word there. You can look it up. But it literally means a, an association, a communion, a joint participation. This is a, a powerful thing that the New Testament church held on to, that they could have fellowship with Christ. In another place, Paul says that we are joint heirs with Christ, that we can re, be recipients of the things that, that God gave to Christ, the blessings that God gave to Christ, we can be recipients of that. 
that we don't have to walk around just like Christ walked around without fear of the world, without fear of the enemy, without fear. It's amazing when you're walking around. He would walk around and demons, the Bible said that demons would cry out when he came into their presence. Stay away. Don't torment us. If there was one there, he'd just come and say, come out of them. Come out of them. Brother Bollinger, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't uh, uh, go and travail before God. In the moment, he was, in, he, he was God. In that moment, Jesus would just look when he encountered them. Come out of them. And the Bible says they would come out. Paul says we are joint heirs with Christ. John's saying we can have fellowship. What he means is joint participation, communion, that intimacy that we can be there. What God desires for you is a higher level of living. He's not looking for you to walk around in despair and anxiety and, and, and looking over your shoulder. I hope the devil don't get me today. I hope, hope the devil's not. No, he wants us to walk around with our head up knowing, hey man, God's got this thing. And when we encounter the enemy, we ought to just be able to say, come on, get out. Get out of here. Get behind me, Satan. Get beside me. I'm just going to go on with my life. Can I tell you, that's what God wants us to be able. That's the level that God wants us to be able to live at. That your joy may be full. The ultimate note, the ultimate note of the Christian's life is joy. It's joy. The ultimate note of the Christian's life is joy. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through hardships. If you look around and you see anybody that's been living for God for a long time, they've gone through trials. They've gone through things. They've, they've got still questions hanging unanswered, things that they don't know. It doesn't mean that they have it all figured out and they never had anything going on, but they've learned to trust in Him. It's just like Job said, when Job lost everything, he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Too often our Christian life is only on the one side of the Lord giveth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We come, sometimes it's even in our singing, it's even in the, uh, uh, the uh, posture of our worship. Lord, you bless me, so I'm going to bless you. The Lord giveth. But Job said, no, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Now, now, maybe he didn't come down and take from you and he didn't rob from you. He, it wasn't his heart and his intention, but as God's sovereign, there is nothing that happens that he does not know about, that he did not permit in some way. He's a healer. He's a redeemer. We don't understand it all. Job says that knowing I've lost my cattle and my lands and my houses and I've even lost family and I can't make sense of it, but he was saying God is still sovereign. There's things that I will never know on this earth but blessed be the name of the Lord the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away and there was at some point there was a joy and a peace in his heart that said though he slay me yet will I trust him I know I may not feel like it all the time my emotions are over here but what my faith says amen is that my joy is full I found the answer I'm not going anywhere else I'm not looking anywhere else and that is the ultimate note of the Christian's life is joy, that your joy may be full. James took it so far, when he writes his epistle, he says, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. Count it all joy when you come up against struggles. Now, James, why would I do that? Why would I be excited? He said, because you know, you know God's working for your good. And if God's working for your good, nothing happens that he doesn't permit. And if he permitted it, then somehow he can get glory from it. And he knows that you can come through it and that you can be a victor over it. And so even in the midst of that, you have joy. 
That's why we sing songs like Waymaker. He's a waymaker, but sometimes we don't know how he's making a way. And the song says, even when I don't see it, he's working. And even when I don't feel it, he's working. And even if I don't know it, he's working. Why? Because I put my faith in him and I put my trust in him. Can I tell you that? That's the ultimate note of the Christian's life. We don't come in and praise him on Sunday or shout on Sunday night or thank God on Wednesday night because we always feel good and we feel right. We do it because we know who he is and we know we've got a hope beyond this life. The ultimate note of the Christian's life is joy that your joy may be full. And John says, I want your joy to be full. I want you to live at that place. I want you to live at that place. Life's hard. The enemy's real. Hell is real. Sickness and disease and famine and loss, those are real things. You go through them. You carry questions. But what John says is you can have fullness of joy in your life. You can have joy in your heart that you know it. I preached about it. I talked about it before. And he talks about it in uh, 1 Peter. When, when, I, when I preach from 1 Peter, the end of your salvation, he says, whom in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, he was talking about the season, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I can't speak it. I can't, I, can't, I can't explain it. It's just joy. And oh, what a wonderful thing it is when the waves of joy sweep over my soul. And when it actually does, we are emotional creatures. Don't, don't uh, uh, suppress the emotions that God made you. Some people say, well, you know, I'm not emotional. Yes, you are. We're all emotional. We're emotional to a certain extent. That's not a sign of weakness. That's who we are. We are emotional. It's okay to be emotional a little bit with the Lord in your life. Now, you may not be emotional in the same. Expressions can be different. God made us individuals, but we are emotional. You feel things. You have feelings. Saying I'm not an emotional person is like saying I have no feelings. That's, that's not true. Everybody has feelings. I have feelings. Amen. But I thank God when that feeling of joy, sometimes those waves of joy, come on, that peace, that love, that sweeps over my soul. And I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful that I don't just serve a dead religion. That's what we talk about, it being alive. The Spirit, come on, moves, and we feel the moving of the Spirit. How do we? That's because we have feeling. That's because we have, a, I'm thankful for emotion. I'm thankful for feeling. I'm thankful I can feel the moving of the Spirit because sometimes I need the touch of the Lord that comes in and you feel the joy of the Lord inside of my life. And you go through seasons and you think, man, I should be really, I, I'm, you think, man, I'm really bad. And then you start thinking, wow, you know, I'm not that bad. God is, God's upheld me. I should be a lot worse. Wow, I should be a whole lot worse. Wow, this isn't really that bad. God, this is all because of you. This is because of your grace, because of your mercy. I, I'm, I'm coming to a close. I hasten on. Verse 5, this then is the message. Everybody say the message. The message. Which, ye, which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. Oh, I wish I could take a long time to go into this, but I can't. We could spend a whole season on this passage right here. This then is the message. So here it is. This is the message that we have. And he, now John is a master at taking 
hard, deep theological things and breaking them all the way down, encapsulating them, and giving them to us. And he does this. This, this is why John is so skillful, so incredible. It's why his gospel it, it stands alone on its own. It stands, it, it, uh, uh, well, they, don't, they weren't intended to stand alone, but it stands out significantly. And he, he breaks it all down. This then is the message. Here's the message. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, we can break that down theologically, philosophically. We can break that down and we can talk about that. If you were not here a few years ago, I spent, I think it was seven weeks, and we went through a series called Absolute, and it was the revelation of God, Absolute. And I talked at length. It's about probably normal, long-winded Wednesday night, 45, 55 minutes, every one. They're, they're, they were our first podcast that we put on. So if you go to the website, you can click on any of the podcast links if you don't have the apps on your phone, and you can go back and you scroll all the way down. The very first thing that we put up was the Absolute Series. It's not my notes, but I taught it, and it's one of the most profound studies that I've ever been through. And uh, so I shared those with you as the eight unique attributes of God. And those absolute attributes, wow, is amazing. When you study who God is, it, it identifies, because we're made in the image of God, it brings self-definition and understanding to yourself when you study who God is. And so if you want to feel better about yourself, don't study yourself. That won't work. That doesn't, that doesn't work good. But if you want to feel better about yourself, you study God and you learn about Him. And wow, it's so powerful. So I'd encourage you to go back, if you haven't, and listen to the absolute. Not because I'm teaching. I know I get, I get tired of hearing me too. But because of the Word of God and the Word of truth. But here John says, God is light. If I could put this in just a couple minutes here tonight, and I don't have, I don't have time. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Now this... Let's go. Let's go to the Gospel of John. Flip back, and let's go to the Gospel of John, because if you haven't seen this, I want you to see this. Let's go to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, and let's read just the first couple of verses here together. John also is the author of this, and he's writing now to establish the, 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 more, uh, the deity of Christ, and he does so in the Gospel. In the epistle, he's just making reference to it, assuming you already know it and you've gotten this. And he starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, this is John's account of the creation story in a verse. So without me going through it into detail, the Word is that Greek word logos, which, is the, which literally means the revealing of God, the revealing of God. So what John is saying here in, in, in theory, let's say, not in theory, but, but in principle, is in the beginning, in the beginning of time, was the revealing of God. In fact, John and, and the rest of Scripture denotes that time begins the moment God defines himself. Now, God is not bound by time. God is before time. He's above time. He's outside of time. The Old Testament calls him the Most High God. 
uh, uh, they, the, the pagans even worshipped the Most High God. They knew there was a God that was before time. They had an understanding. But they did not believe that that God had any dealings with humanity. And Abraham testifies. He comes out and says, no, the God that was before time stepped into time and had dealings with humanity, and he loves us, and, and he's come and made himself knowable to us. That's why Abraham becomes a father of faith. But John writes and says, in the beginning was the Word, the revealing of God. God was revealed, and that word was with God, of course, and the word was God. What was the word? He goes on in verse 14, and we see, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So when God manifests himself in the flesh to be known in a person of Jesus Christ, he is both the creator and the creation. Now, that's a, that's a unique, that's, that's, that's very unique. You and I are creation but we are not creator. God was creator and also creation. But he was God manifest in the flesh. And so the same was in the beginning with God in verse 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's why we understand that not only is God creator, but if we follow that line of thinking, he's the creator. He did not create on accident. He created on purpose. And the purpose that God had for creation was that you would know him. So humanity's walking around asking the question, why am I here? Well, you're not here just to waste your life. You're not here just to go out and sow your wild oats. You're not here just to heap up all the mass pleasures that you, that's not, there's no, there's no fulfillment in that. There's shallowness in that. Why you and I are here is because God created you. He created me so that we could know him. He created us as individuals so that we could know him. Your life has purpose, and your life has value. Your life has eternal value. And not only your life, but every life. Every life. Some are created healthy. Some aren't as healthy as others. Some are going to live longer than others. But every life that God permits and allows and gifts to walk on this earth was created for the purpose to know Him. Amen. That means your life has value. Don't give up. God wants you to know Him. And what does He want you to know? He wants you to know His love and His mercy and His goodness and His purity and His holiness and His power and His peace. And his joy. That's why John writes, I want your joy to be full. I don't want you to live. I don't want you to live walking around saying, man, there's got to be more to life than this. If you listen to the, to the echo of the world, there is this refrain that seemingly says there's got to be more to life than this. Why am I here? That's why when I talked about last night, I talked about the intentional devaluing of life that takes place in the sciences and and, uh, and other places around uh, uh, the world in, in, in the secular worldviews, the devaluing of human life leaves us in a place where we are just a random cosmic accident and we have no value and therefore we, we lose all meaning. Wow, what a sorry, sorry state. God gives us meaning and value. John is talking about this here. We get this just as a reflection of knowing who he was, who he is. And he says, this is the message that God is light. Now, okay, what is light? We know light is illumination. 
So light is illumination. So light is the revealing. It's the illuminating there. There's no darkness. There's no hiding. There's an illumination there. Amen. When, when Jesus is in your life, when you walk in relationship and experience and testimony with the Lord, there's illumination in your life. If you've ever wanted, it makes sense why a believer that's committed to God would walk around with less anxiety, would walk around with more peace, with more confidence, because there's illumination in their life. They see, okay, they're still walking by faith, not by sight, amen, they're not walking by natural sight, but they're walking with eternal illumination, and so that's a good thing. So God is light, so there's illumination. Not only is there illuminations, but truths are revealed. We see things. When, when that's there. He's light. There's no darkness. What does that mean? Well, that means he's pure. He's holy. There's, there's no manipulation. There's no darkness. There's no hidden thing. There's a purity there. There's a holiness there. Amen. There's a cleanness there. Anybody, anybody like the feeling of being clean? I mean, you get clean and it's like, wow, that feels good. You know, like, wow, you know, it's great. You know, you smell better, you feel better, all that stuff. That same thing that plays out in the physical is so true in the spiritual. When there's a purity, when there's a holiness there, and we are not holy in our accord, but he says, I will clothe you in righteousness. I will clothe you in that. He puts that on us. So he's, he's light. There is no darkness. But he's light. When you think about light, light, what is light? Light is not something that you can capture. It's not something that you can stop. It's not something you can bottle up. It's, light is literally energy. It is movement. It is, it is motion. It is energy. It is, uh, uh, in the book of Job, it's, it talks about light. And when it speaks about light, it says he knows the way of the light because light is in moving. Light is not static. Darkness, on the other hand, when Job talks about darkness, darkness, he says the place of darkness because darkness can have locale because darkness is static. Darkness is the absence of light, but light is this moving. He said, God is light. <laughs> he is this energy. Amen. He, he is this source of all things. Scientists can't understand how creation could never happen unless there was an atmosphere that was charged. And even the, the theorists of the Big Bang say in order for that to happen, it had to be charged. There had to be a charging in the atmosphere. There had to be an energy set up before all of creation could take place, whether it took place slowly or it took place fastly. There had to be a charging of energy. What is light? Light is basically energy that illuminates. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen. You want life in your heart? I give you Jesus. You need energy in your life? I give you Jesus. You want purity in your life? I give you Jesus. John's saying this is the message that God is light. There's no darkness at all in him. Amen. Stand together with me. Amen. I, I, I'll leave us here with this, and we'll come back. We'll come back. The next part we get into is really the be real part. Turn to somebody and tell them, be real. Be real. The next part we get into is really where rubber meets the road kind of thing. Be real. You can't stop, stop going through the motions. Stop, stop, stop going through the motions. Really is where John calling our bluff and saying, look, if he really is who you say he is, then you got to love him. You, you, you got to serve him. You got to trust him. 
If he really is, he's basically saying, if he really is who you sing about, he is. If he really has done for you what you say he's done for you, then, then you gotta live, you gotta live according to that in your life. I'm thankful tonight, and I think we ought to just thank God right now for our testimony. Thank God for our experience. Each one of us in here have an experience. If you don't have an experience with the Father, if you don't have an experience with Jesus Christ, if you've yet to receive the baptism of His Spirit inside of your life, can I tell you the worst thing you can do is leave here and take my word for it. You got to find a place, whether it's on your, whether you're driving down the road, you go out in the country, you find a closet, you kneel down and say, God, I've got to know this for myself. You've got to get a place where it's just you and God. You've got to talk to the Lord. You've got to have an experience with the Lord because that's the only thing that will change.